Lord, we sing you such joyful, loud, and heartfelt praise because it's such good news that you were raised from the dead, which means we all get a second chance. Lord, help us to understand what you say to us through Scripture this morning so that we can give more of our lives to you. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Remember when you were a kid and you'd be playing some game and you weren't quite sure if the ball was inbounds or out of bounds and so you'd say, do it again. You'd call that a do-over. Golfers call it a mulligan. Nobody knows why. Except that they use weird words because they play a weird game. That's why. And it sounds better than saying, I just sliced the ball and I broke the clubhouse window. Ever wish you could have a do-over in life? I've had lots of times where I wish that. I remember years ago driving down the highway and seeing a woman pull up to an intersection and she had a stop sign. I thought for sure it was going to be okay. She looked right at me and then just plowed through the stop sign anyway and totaled my car. It was completely her fault. She had the stop sign. I was going the speed limit. I know because I almost never go the speed limit. So when I do, I remember it. I wanted a do-over so that I could just take it back and drive in a different state than she lived in. And when the cop gave her a ticket, she wanted a do-over too. Wouldn't it be great if in life we could have do-overs? You wreck the car, you get a do-over. Your boss gives you an important project and you blow it, you get a do-over. You say something that hurts a friend or you have an affair and it devastates your marriage or you flunk a course in school or you fail at a job or in a ministry. Wouldn't it be great to get a do-over? If the resurrection of Jesus is about anything, it is the mother of all do-overs. It is the control-alt-delete of history. The first man God ever made, Adam, sinned, rebelled against God. Jesus is the do-over, leads a sinless life. The cross represents the worst thing that can happen. We kill our creator. Jesus is the do-over. God uses his death to be the means for our forgiveness, uses it for good. The cross ends in death. But on Easter morning, Jesus is the do-over when he rises from the dead, showing that God can conquer even the grave. Easter is this huge, massive, cosmic do-over. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across to Peter in the story that we just read. Because if you remember the story, Peter had blown it big time. For three years, Peter had been Jesus' right-hand man. For three years, Peter had seen Jesus do amazing miracles. Jesus had even given Peter a new name. His name was Simon. Jesus switched it to Peter because it means the rock, and he wanted to give him that nickname. For three years, Jesus had been there for Peter. When Peter's mother-in-law was sick, it was Jesus that healed her. When Peter was in a boat being pounded by a storm, it was Jesus who came along and taught him how to walk on water. And when Peter began to sink, it was Jesus who reached out his hand and picked him up. At every turn, Jesus had loved Peter, invested in Peter, been there for Peter. And then the one moment when Jesus needed Peter, under pressure, Peter caved like a house of cards and not only refused to help Jesus, but even pretended that he didn't know his best friend. Not once, not twice, but three times denied Jesus. Peter had blown it in a major way. And even though Jesus had been raised from the dead and Peter had already seen him twice, and even though Jesus said that his death paid the penalty for every wrong thing we've ever done, 
Peter still did not believe that all that talk about grace and forgiveness and second chances was for him. Grace was for everybody else, but not for him. He had blown it so badly. He was a loser and there are no second chances for losers. So he says one of the most heartbreaking lines in the Bible. I'm going fishing. That is the loneliest line in Scripture. Peter's saying, I didn't do this disciple thing right. I I let down my best friend. I fail at this. This party is not for me. I'm going fishing. Back to what I know. Back to what's comfortable. I give up. I'm a loser. I'm going fishing. You ever do that? You hurt a friend and you think, there's no way that this relationship can ever be repaired. So you say, I'm just going to not even try. Just toss in the towel. I'm going fishing. Or your marriage goes stale and and you say, you know, that's it. This marriage has no hope at all. I'm giving up. I'm going fishing. Or you get laid off or you fail at a project and you think to yourself, I'm a pretender. Everybody's going to find out. I might as well just stop trying. I'm, I'm going fishing. That's what Peter's doing here. If you remember the story, it's so heartbreaking because just hours before Peter denies Jesus, Peter was filled with such big words and such bragging, you know. Jesus, I'll never leave you. These other disciples might leave you, the worthless lot. Just look at them. But not me, Jesus. No, no. What you don't understand, Jesus, is I'm your boy. You stick with me, Jesus, I'll take you places. That was Peter. Always bragging and always talking. And so Jesus says to him, Simon, Simon. Had to say his name twice because Peter wouldn't shut up. Simon, Simon, you're going to deny me three times. And he did. So now Peter's embarrassed, he's depressed, he's feeling like he's been found out to be a pretender, an opposer. And if he could have taken any one moment in his life back, I'm sure it would have been the moment when he said for the third time about his best friend, I don't know the man. If ever anyone needed a do-over, it was Peter. And what is so compelling about Jesus, what makes him so different than any other religious figure, is that because of his death and resurrection, we all get a do-over. What the resurrection shows is that there are no dead ends, and even the worst thing can be turned around and used for good. And Jesus shows that to Peter and us in two ways in this story. The first way Jesus gives us a do-over is Jesus forgives us and wipes the slate clean. That's what Jesus is trying to get across to Peter in this story. Only he doesn't want Peter just to know it in his head. He wants to believe it in his heart. So Jesus takes Peter through a reenactment of their entire three-year friendship. They met three years earlier when Peter had been fishing all night. Very similar scene. Hadn't caught anything. Jesus comes along and they have this huge catch of fish. So Jesus reenacts that story in this one. It's three years later. Yet again, Peter and his friends have been fishing all night, haven't caught anything. These guys are my kind of fishermen. I mean, I want to go fishing with them next time. I'd feel like I was the man if I even just caught one, right? This is awesome. But that's what happens when we bail, when we give up, when we retreat to what's comfortable. We come up empty-handed. But then Jesus shows up and they catch a bunch of fish. It's a do-over. It's a reenactment of how he and Peter first met. And Jesus is saying to Peter, I know you blew it, but I love you and we're still friends. It's a do-over. When Peter figures that out, he figures out that it's Jesus on the shore. He, He jumps in the water and starts swimming toward Jesus. I just, I love that. He's so excited to see Jesus. 
He jumps in the water. Meanwhile, of course, though, the other disciples have to row the boat full of fish back to shore. Yeah, wonder how happy they were. Some Peter always jumping around. That's life, right? There are jumpers and rowers who do all the work. Jumpers and rowers, right? In my family, I'm the jumper. I'm always saying, let's go on vacation. And my wife has to make the arrangements, pack the suitcase, get the kids ready. Jumpers and rowers. Peter was a jumper. But Jesus loves them anyway. There's hope for jumpers. And then when Peter gets to the shore, Jesus reenacts the last time he and Peter talked before Jesus died. It was the Last Supper. And there Jesus presided over a meal. So in this story, Jesus presides over another meal. And after the Last Supper, Peter went out and denied Jesus three times. So after this meal, Jesus gives Peter a second chance, a do-over, a mulligan. And he asks him three times, do you love me, Peter? Which parallels the three times that Peter denied him. And Peter gets a chance to do it all over again. Only this time, the right way. And he gets to say three times, Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. His denials are erased and replaced with the grace of God. It's a do-over. It's Jesus saying, I forgive you and I have wiped the slate clean. And that is good news. And if it had stopped there, I'm sure Peter would have been delighted. He would have been filled with joy that he was reconciled to his best friend. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus goes one step further. Not only does he forgive Peter, but Jesus goes one further step and shows Peter that he still has confidence in him. He says to Peter, feed my sheep, tend my flock, feed my lambs. In other words, he gives Peter a job to do. Not only does Jesus forgive Peter and wipe the slate clean, but the second way that Jesus gives us a do-over is he always gives us a second chance. And by telling Peter to go back to the work of ministry, Jesus is saying to Peter, I still have confidence in you. I know you think you've blown it beyond repair. I know you think that because you've messed up that you have no worth, no value, nothing to offer. I know you think that you're a poser and a pretender, but I once called you the rock upon which I would build my church, and that hasn't changed. You are still that rock. You are still my man, Peter. You are still my man. You are not a pretender. You are not a poser. You are a mighty warrior. Now get out there and get back in the game because I'm not giving up on you so you don't give up on you either. You see, Jesus doesn't just forgive us. He still has confidence in us. He gives us a second chance to get it right. You see, with Jesus, failing never means that you're a failure. God never looks at us as failures. We don't think of Thomas Edison as a failure, even though it took him 900 tries to get the light bulb right. What a loser, man. 900 tries, right? <clears throat> we don't think J.K. Rowling is a loser or a failure just because it took her 30 tries to get Harry Potter published. 30 tries. Right? We don't think she's a failure because of that. Maybe the editors who rejected the book, they're failures and unemployed, most likely. <laughs> I'd love to see that conversation, right? Did you? Yeah. Anyway. I didn't think it was any good. In the same way, Jesus does not look at us as failures, even though we blow it from time to time. I love this story because Peter has spent three years learning how to believe in Jesus. And at the end of it all, what he discovers is how much Jesus believes in him. That's what Easter is all about. It is never too late.
it is never over. Because if we know Jesus, then every sin we've sinned, every way we've blown it, every failure, all of those things were nailed to the cross with Jesus. And when he died, he, those things died with him. And he took those things to the grave with him. But when he rose up, he rose up empty-handed and left those things in the grave where they belong. And if you know Jesus, then your sins, your failures, your insecurities, the ways you've been hurt, the ways you've hurt others, the horrible things that have been said to you, the ways you've blown it, they are dead. Jesus rose, but those things did not. They stayed in the tomb. They're behind you. They can't find you. They won't haunt you. They can't control you. God has buried them on the bottom of the ocean floor. The slate has been wiped clean. And not only are you forgiven, but if you know Jesus, he gives you a second and a third and a fourth chance, however many you need, until you get it right. After my first wife left me, I decided there were two things I would never do again. Ministry, because who wants a divorce pastor? And you're stuck with me, though, anyway. <laughs> and get married again. Now, you know, no way. I tried that once, didn't work. Uh-uh, not going there. But I met Christina at Stanford, and we were friends for a while. And then she decided that she wanted me. <laughs> I had more hair back then. It was more understandable. <clears throat> But I didn't want anything to do with her. I was gone fishing. But she just kind of kept pursuing and she'd call almost every day and I'd say, leave me alone. I'm not interested. I'm poisoned to women. Go away. That was my line. I'm poisoned to women. I had self-esteem issues, okay? <laughs> but she just kept per- pursuing it. You know, and sometimes I would even raise my voice and I would say, leave me alone. We're never going to get together. Leave me alone. And I'd hang up. Next day she'd call. You know, she was like Teflon. It just slid right off of her. Now, she rightly points out that she was so persistent because she knew deep down that I really liked her, which was true. I was just afraid to admit it. Well, after about six months of this, she invited me out to dinner for my birthday. And I said, oh, no, 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 absolutely not. I know what you're trying to do and you're not going to get away with it. No. But she kind of just kept pressing and pressing. So I gave in. But I picked the least romantic place I could think of. This pizza joint in Palo Alto called Ramona's. Nothing romantic had ever happened at Ramona's, ever. It was inconceivable that such a thing could even happen. But at the end of dinner, Christina looked up and she said, well, what are you going to do after this? And I said, well, I'm going to go home and grade papers. We were both teaching at Stanford at the time. And she said, no, no, I think we should go somewhere and kiss. And I said, we will do no such thing. I've got papers to grade and you do. You should do the same. But she just kept pushing and pushing. And she said, you know, I know, I know you're poisoned to women, blah, 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 blah. Here's the thing. I believe in a God of second chances. How about you? It was a great line. But I said, no, I don't. (laughs) At least not for me. Well, then she said, well, at least could we grade papers together? So I said, oh, all right. So we went to my place. My roommate was home. So I thought I was safe. But every time she'd finish grading a paper, she'd look up and she'd say, well, time to kiss. (laughs) She'd grade one paper, you know, B minus, put it down, time to kiss. She did this all night. To make a long story short, she won. (laughs) And a year and a half later, we got married. Now hear me, God did not want my divorce to happen. 
He didn't like it. He didn't cause it. In fact, the do-over he wanted to do was to heal my first marriage. And I believe had my first wife and I been willing to cooperate with him, we would have had a great story about how God can redeem anything. And it would have spared us a lot of pain. Pain that I will carry for the rest of my life. God did not want that divorce to happen. But when it had, when the worst had happened, and when I felt ashamed and embarrassed because of my failure, I felt like I had nothing to offer, I felt like I was at a dead end, Jesus gave me a do-over. He put a woman of worth in my life, and he showed me that I was forgiven and that the slate had been wiped clean and that he was a God of second chances. That's what Easter is about. There is no corpse so dead that God can't raise it to new life if we know Jesus. Maybe you are at the top of your game right now. You don't feel like you're at a dead end at all. But soon enough, maybe you will. Most of us get there one way or other, sooner or later. If that happens, just remember in those times to hang on to Jesus and in the meantime, be grateful for all the good things he's given you. But maybe you do feel like you're at a dead end. You've hurt someone or they've hurt you. Your marriage seems like it's in such trouble God couldn't possibly do anything with that. Or you failed in your job or some other endeavor. If you do know Jesus, hang on to him with both hands. Because what Easter shows is there's always a resurrection. And even something as terrible as the cross can be used for good. And if you don't know Jesus, well, I'd encourage you to get to know him. All you have to do is say, Jesus, please be my leader and my forgiver. And then tell another Christian so they can help you take the next step. And if you do, he'll take all the dead ends in your life and make them new beginnings. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you haven't done. I don't care who you've hurt. I don't care who's hurt you. I don't care what great successes you've had. I don't care what catastrophic failures you've endured. I don't care. Because here's the deal. Because of Jesus, I believe in a God of second chances. How about you? Lord, thank you so much for this amazing promise that you give us. Lord, that you don't ever look at us as failures. You never look at us as losers, but you give us second and third and fourth chances, all that we need until we get it right. Lord, help us to trust that. Help us to believe that. Help us to live out of it. And we'll be grateful people. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.